Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are reading Miss Bourne, the Hero of Ages, chapters 73 through 78, six chapters, wherein a lot of stuff happens. The Mists start acting weird. Vin fights a whole lot of Inquisitors and wins. Ellen uh, needs, decides to go look for her. There's there, there's a change of government within the Condra homeland. Vin becomes a god, as you do. Ellen makes it to Luthadel. If anything, it seems like he made it faster than Vin. I have to say, I commented on, like, man, Vin got there fast. But Ellen uh, seems to have gotten there very quickly. And then uh, Sazed is in prison again until he's rescued by an old friend. So I am Data, and with me is... Joe. Jack. And Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Really, we're in the middle of the Sander Lanch, quite clearly. But the podcast is beginning, so... As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust The foundations of our hope begin to rust Choking fear, screaming sound As a reaper comes to ground You turn to face it down because you bust And when the world is starts to Yeah, so things are happening very quickly. What did you guys think of these six chapters this time? Man, it's all a blur. Vin becoming a god, unexpected. But I've got some theories maybe about that uh, that we could talk about at the end. Says getting uh, getting put in prison, kind of funny. I, I feel like it was kind of played very comedically in that chapter. Yeah, I think so. And uh, just, just like the things he does, like making himself dense and fat to crush people i mean that's just really <laughs> funny really liked the conjure stuff the fact that Conpar decided to overthrow the government i assume at ruins nudging not surprising is a little surprising that the fifths are going along with it but maybe they're also being nudged by ruin so yeah there's a lot of interesting things happening here i feel like ellen solved the penrod writing thing pretty darn quickly a little surprising but i guess we are near the end so things got to move a little faster Um, well and he had a little bit of help yes yeah and so you know i think i think these are all good chapters i'm excited to to finish up yeah yeah there's we're so close now we got like i think it's what three four chapters in an epigraph so we're right there it's exciting yep lot going on didn't quite know what to make. It's like, oh, Vin's a god now. Okay, cool. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, but sure. Yeah, it's like I, I agree. I think the jailbreak scene was pretty was pretty cool. So he's just doing what he can. I did feel a bit like, oh, Tensoon left Breeze uh, in the Canter homeland, went off to do stuff, accomplished nothing, and came back again. I'm like, oh, okay. That just seemed a bit. We need Tensoon out of the picture while Says is there, but okay. Like, yeah, on on the whole, it's pretty good. I did feel like, oh. Penrod's dead. We didn't actually get to see any of the shit he was doing. We just had to hear about it. Like, mm, okay, but whatever. There was already a lot going on in the book. So, yeah, on the whole, like the Inquisitor battle was fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what to think. A lot, sh- a lot of shit's going on, and we're so close to the end. So I'm like, all right, just, just, just get in me. 
<laughs> it is. It's a little bit disappointing. I agree that we don't get to see what happened with Penrod, but at the same time, I feel like for Vin and Ellen, it's kind of like more dramatic and spookier to. We had we have no idea what's going on, and they show up to a city that's empty. We're like, oh geez, yeah. what, what happened? And maybe maybe that's it. If we you know, if we had just shown up and gotten it from that from that perspective, maybe it would have had a bit more of an impact. But we know what was going on. We saw Marsh spike him, and we heard and um, Tenson came there earlier, so we knew a lot more of what was actually going on with the city. So it wasn't quite as spooky for us. It's just kind of mm. oh yeah, that plot thread is just tied up here in a body. Oh <laughs> damn. Especially, again, just because Penrod was such an important character last time, and then this time it's like, yeah, he's just managing stuff worse. He went nuts. Now he's dead. Yeah, that's happened to a lot of... I mean, even, I think Set, of of the like new character from the last book, Set probably gets the most screen time in this one, and he even he didn't get a whole lot. No. Unless he's going to show up at the end here and save the day. Yeah, he's faking the spinal. He's going to get up out of the chair and walk. <laughs> that mispowered wheelchair is going to come back into play. Yeah, yep. I like how set is both Walter and uh, the, big the Big Lebowski. Yeah, I liked these chapters. I sort of got to the end of them and I went, "Have I read six? I'm not sure." <laughs> oh my god, I was so absorbed in it. I, I agree that the fight with the Inquisitors was really cool. I loved the countdown of how many she'd killed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, didn't see her becoming a god. No, <laughs> no, that's not where, definitely not where my mind was. I hope, I get, yeah, I guess I hope that we find a way for her to be able to communicate with everybody because I feel like that's just a weird way. Be like, oh, where's Vin? No idea. Vin's gone. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that was sort of interesting. I like to think that maybe the storyline with Penrod that Brandon forgot about Penrod <laughs> and just went, oh, wait, yeah, he's dead. But, yeah, it was good to sort of see a little bit more about where it runs up to still. We didn't have a lot for Breeze um, and up in Urtau other than the mists are gone. There's, there's all this panic, get everyone into the cavern. So, I, I yeah, I realise that a lot of that storyline is wrapped up, but I still feel like we've got a bit more there to explore, which we didn't get this time. I'm really enjoying the stuff with the Kandra as well and Sazed. I'm so glad that Sazed has got his groove back. <laughs> he's finally decided to believe and that's really working out for him yeah good chapters i am confused as hell as to where it's all gonna wrap up <laughs> and we really don't have that much more to read to wrap it all up so i am just hoping that it all comes together and, and makes a bit of sense that would be nice yeah if it made some sense before the end but uh so that's what you want to see it's funny sazed now he's, he's like he's gonna have faith in vin and she's a god now, so I guess it kind of fits. Yeah. I guess let's get into these. The first epigraph is talking about piercing copper clouds, and it's like, so, you know, Inquisitors could do it because we already talked about this. And then it kind of lays out what we already knew at this point, that it's like, yeah, so Vin was a Mistborn. Her baby sister was a Seeker. And so that's how she could pierce copper clouds because of her earring. I'm not and sure that- if it's just the way that we've read these like read the story, read the epigraphs and, and sort of dissecting as we go. But it did it did start to feel like these epigraphs were a little bit of a so in case you didn't pick this up, uh-huh. this is why this is happening. <laughs> like we already know that. Give us new information. But <laughs> if you were reading it just normally, maybe you don't pick that up that way. But it was good to have the confirmation. But again I was like, I want new information. 
Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what it is. Is it's like here's stuff that if you were paying attention, you figured out. But for those of you who weren't paying close enough attention, we're gonna lay it out because this is important information to know. Yeah, I think it's just like the the hero of ages has read uh, Alendi's logbook and has read Quan's word wall and is just like, man, these guys suck at actually giving information correctly and succinctly. I am not going to make that fucking mistake. I don't know. Uh, she's not super succinct in a lot of these epigraphs, as Joe could probably attest to. Uh, look at this guy throwing a she out. Shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Can one be the hero of ages and a god? Maybe sure. that's what the hero of ages means. That actually plays into my theory for later, but uh, okay, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll get to it. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah, the epigraph plays very coy about who this person is. It's like, we know who it is. So that's got to be. So the mists changed and we cut back to Tensoon, who last time we saw, he saw this giant lava field in front of him and he was kind of like, okay, I could still try, but what's the point now? And he kind of just lays down and gives up a little bit. And that's where we find him. It's just kind of laying there like, what's the point? Also, I'm tired. I've been like running really hard. But the mists start to move in a way that they do not generally move all in one direction. And towards Luthadel, and he's like, oh, geez, maybe I'm not too late. And so he heads that way. And then we got to Breeze. And Arian's like, Breezy, come on, look. <laughs> and I like Breeze is like, I remember distinctly telling Kelsier I did not want to end up in charge of anything. <laughs> Years later, still blaming Kelsier. Good on you, Breeze. Yep. It's all Kelsier's fault. And they're also noticing, and really, it kind of cuts to the different points of the of the final empire, I guess, to let us know, yes, this is happening everywhere to all of the mists. But Spook's out of bed, and he's like, gather the people. We need to move. Get them to the storage cavern. We don't have much time. So who, he thinks something bad is coming. Did he say it as cool as you just did? Uh, yeah, you know, badass action hero Spook. Yeah. Uh, get to the caverns. It's, 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 it says he croaked, so it probably sounds like he's about to collapse. A good fart's going to knock this guy over. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, his his lungs probably got burned up, so he could probably only talk like... So he sounds like Christian Bale Batman, is the thing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, he's like, why do you want to kill me? Uh, and then Hammond Elland over in Fadrick City are seeing the same thing. And the Coloss turn, and they start to leave. Apparently, uh, Ruin, controlling the Coloss, is also concerned about what's happening. Because the Coloss are also running towards Luthadel. And then we cut to Vin, and probably the most badass team in the book, even beyond like the fight with the Inquisitors in that last section. This one is fun, because it's a cool fight, but also, yeah. I agree that I love the countdown. Mm-hmm. Or countdown. It's, uh, it's, it's the perfect Count time up. for the battle music to kick in for boss battle. <laughs> <laughs> And just so, yeah. visually a really cool use of Allomancy. I know that she's drawing on the mists and unlimited power and whatnot, but just really cool to sort of piece together all of this stuff that we've seen before, the pushing, the pulling. It's almost like when we've had it really spelled out to us before about using this to push this and this to do that, and it's sort of been a little bit frustrating, but I feel like it's it's now so ingrained in us that you didn't have to be so granular in this fight and it just, mm-hmm. you can see it and it's, it's visually beautiful to, to watch and that she's also having a ball doing it. <laughs> you know, it's fighting some inquisitors, you don't feel bad about killing them. It's no. Like, yes. Is that another one? <laughs> yeah, it's like zombies. Like, you don't feel bad. Or Nazis. Yeah. Just, no. there's, just, there's just groups that you're like, yeah, kill them. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Her power is yeah. really maximum in this. She's really bullying <laughs> this fight. I was oh. I was saying it's more like a neo things like after he you know he died and then he got back up and all of a sudden the agents were just like not a threat anymore. It is kind of like that, yeah. Like especially the whole man. How did I ever think these guys were fast? Boom. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has unlimited medals now apparently from the mist, so it's easier to. Oh. Uh, and she she's just telling us what the last shit. two medals were. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you you know, have all the medals. You should be able to use them. Yeah. Unlimited power! <laughs> so, I yeah, found atmosphere Good. and pushed it at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's chopping heads off of Inquisitor. She's ripping eye spikes out. And she's like, two, three. She's turning Critic Shaw to rubble, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. No, I, 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 the next death was like, she takes some guy, the guy, spike she just ripped out of one guy and like sends him flying at a different guy through his chest. And it's like, there's four. But yeah, the, the coolest part is basically she just like levels the entire Lord Ruler's palace and finds a couple more dead guys like in the rubble. It's like 9, 10, 11, good, okay. And at one point she flies up above the mists and sees the stars and sees the mists like doing like a reverse whirlpool going up and into her. It's a very like, I want to see that moment. That's a very cool, uh, amazingly described sick. moment. Yeah. She 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 ripped several people's eye spikes out since so she figured out that you can just rip two of them out and those are I guess the most easily accessible spikes like okay take those and eventually was it the sorry. last chapter she, she pulled one eye spike out and the guy was still alive she's like okay that didn't work but if I pull the other one out uh-huh. oh, hey it worked yes we got there eventually but after she's taken out like all the rest basically she finds one guy all messed up on the ground and it's like oh it's Marsh the last Inquisitor. And she kind of doesn't want to kill him, but at the same time, she's like, no, this isn't Marsh. Marsh is gone. This is ruin. And it's she reached down. The, the fact that Marsh isn't gone is the reason she was able to do all this shit. Right? But he, pro- he probably still wants her to kill him, so it's, it, you know, it's okay. Yeah, true. But she reaches down, she pulls out one of his eye spikes, and then she reaches out to get the other one. Oh, we got to Marsh's viewpoint for a minute there, I guess, which is, I like... He's like, yes, it worked. Ha ha, suck it, ruin. <laughs> and it's from his perspective that we, like, she pulls out one of the spikes, and he's like, that hurt more than Marsh would have thought possible. And she's reaching for the other one, and he's waiting for it, like, yes, come on, kill me. And then she disappears. There's, like, an outline of her body in the mists, and that dissipates, and she's gone. And he's the last thing left lying in the wreckage of this giant palace. But he's still alive. Yeah. He's not done yet. He's had his moment of resistance, and if he's the only Inquisitor that Ruin has left to control, you got to figure he's not going to get out of Ruin's control again easily. So yeah, we haven't seen the last of him yet. Mm. Uh, then we get the next epigraph, which is like she asked Ruin why he chose her, and it's like, well, I mean, the, it's simple. The basic reasons are simple. She was the right kid in the right place at the right time. Like she was in a position to get the right spike that he, Ruin needed someone to have to let her sense the well of ascension. So that's why Ruin needed her to have the the extra bronze so that she would sense the well of ascension first before anyone else could. Yep, she had the right stuff. She had an insane mother, and she had a sister who was a seeker, so everything fell into place. And then, of course, it has to be mysterious and be like, there were other reasons, of course, but even Ruin didn't know them. Bum, bum, everything bum, was bum. <laughs> There was a period there where everything was coming up Millhouse. Yep. So yeah, then we cut back to Ellen and Fadrex, and day has broken with no mists. 
and no one is really loving this. Uh, the ska yeoman says are now too scared to come out. And everyone seems to point out, they're like, well, you were upset when the mists were staying, and now they're gone, and you're still upset. What's your problem? And it's like, well, this is a major change to the way that the world works that they've known their entire lives. Can you not see? But also, the sun's real hot. And Yeoman's like, man, was the sun always this hot? <laughs> Which is a weird way to phrase that. <laughs> it's like, man, global warming? What? <laughs> Yeoman's like, I've never been outside before. Was it always this bad? Yeah. <laughs> Woba <Woba-waba? laughs> Just need to get that giant ice cube. Yeah. And then Ellen's like, okay, stuff's not this is not good still. Yeoman, I want you he starts giving Yeoman some orders, like do this, do that, get ready to get to get people moving into the storage cavern, tell the soldiers to be ready for something, I don't know what. And Yeoman's like, You sound like you're not gonna be here to help me and Ellen's like, No, I'm not. I'm I'm going. I got shit to do. Yep. And Yeoman takes the moment to be like, you know what? I was wrong about you, man. I'm sorry. And actually, yeah, I'm sorry. He's like, the things I said were undeserved. Yeah. And Ellen's like, dude, when the Coloss were going to kill my army, the like the Coloss army that I brought here, we're going to kill my people. You let us in. I don't care what you said. Yeah. And if there was more time, you know, maybe our bromance would have started, but there's no time. They can start a book club later. It's fun. Yeah. With Norton. The, he, <laughs> Norton. Yeah, and he'll just show up to the book club and be like, I know why you're sad. <laughs> and Ellen's like, I didn't invite you. He's like, oh, no, I'm we sad. We love Norton. <laughs> yeah, we love good guy Norton. We good do. Guy, yeah. Smiling obligator. Now I want that to be like a brand of, of like laundry detergent. Smiling obligator laundry detergent. <laughs> <laughs> it says, I know why you're sad. Yeah. I know why you're sad, because your clothes are dull. Use me, they'll be brighter. <laughs> yeah, your clothes covered in ash. Smiling obligator will get it cleaned up. <laughs> oh gosh, covered in coloss blood. Smiling obligator will help. <laughs> yeah, or you just covered in dust from your library session. Smiling <laughs> obligator's here for you. <laughs> Uh, someone in the Discord who's good at graphic design should make a logo for graphic for Smiling Obligator laundry. I was about detergent. to say yes. I would totally make a TV show, uh, TV show, a T-shirt on a Smiling <laughs> Obligator laundry detergent. Yeah. Like, draw. Which I <laughs> no, that's that's gonna I be wanna, like I want I want him cross-armed like Mr. Clean, <laughs> and his eyes are closed because he's smiling so hard, but all his head tattoos make it look like his eyes are open. Weird. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the ad break in the um, sitcoms about the characters we've already brought yep. up. Yeah, it's just going to be like, be like WandaVision. Creepy, yeah, exactly. Uh, creepy, weird yeah. Uh, commercials where the guy's on a desert island and then dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, Wandavision. I like I like that Yeoman still thinks he's like, hey, you're wrong. By the way, the Lord Ruler is still guiding all of this. <laughs> it was just like you had to ruin it. <laughs> you have a moment. Ellen actually yeah. doesn't care. Ellen just grins no. at that. It's like, you know, you believe what you want to believe, man. You're helping me. That's all I care about. Yeah. I know we already pitched like an odd couple sitcom, but now I feel like it should be Yeoman and uh, Yeoman and uh, uh, Ellen. I don't feel like they're an odd couple, though. Except I guess that's true. They're beliefs. friends now. Actually, they, um, they're both like they're a bit too similar. Uh, yeah. Uh, we can we could do a different sitcom called an Thick even book, couple. Thick book theory. <laughs> Um, and they can be roommates and then uh, Vin can move across the hall 
I did I did have a random thought through the week. It's just like I pictured Set and Yeoman. Like for some reason I had an idea of like Mistborn as Muppets. And um <laughs> Set, yeah. Set and Yeoman were like Statler and Waldorf after they had a fight. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I, I went through and did like I actually just like wrote down a whole bunch of the other Muppets like here and there. It's like like Kelsey was Gonzo. Yeah, exactly. Marsh was Marsh was Sam the Eagle. The like the Colos were all animal. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, yeah. and and uh, Rashek was Uncle Deadly, and like for some reason, Ruin was uh, was Crazy Harry, the Bolshevik guy with the dynamite. That does seem like a Ruin t- sort of thing. Okay, I buy it. Yeah. Who's wait? So now I got to figure out like who's who's Breeze. Uh, yeah, I have Breeze down seized. as Fozzie Bear. Bre- okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, uh, Orianne was Miss Piggy. That was an easy one. Oh well, yeah, that's clearly. Oh. Yeah. Seized, uh, seized Kermit. No, Saze was. I had Saze down as Rolf. I had Kermit was Dachshund. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ham was Ham was Scooter. I had Norden down as the Swedish Chef. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but I like it. Okay. What about Vin? Who's Vin? Uh, I had Vin. Like I was thinking of like Vin and Ellen, where like uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, they were the human characters mixed in with all the rest uh... of the. Yeah, and then it's like, and it's like, well, Ellen's family was Straff and Zane, so they had to be human as well. So I left all them out. Um, so Straff is Long John Silver. Got it. Okay. Yep. I think I had Clubs and Spook down. Like Clubs was um, Bunsen Honeydew, and Spook was Beaker. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know if that really fits Clubs. Because you don't but, understand. Yeah, that's great. But I, I like I like the idea of Spook as Beaker. Yeah, I love that. That's the best. It's like blindfold Beaker running around being a badass. That would be so funny. There's gotta be something better, something better. There's gotta <laughs> be something better than this for me. Oh, uh, Muppets Treasure Island. Yeah, That's now you got me in, in a whole Muppet thing. <laughs> okay, no, we're, we're we're moving. That that's great. We're moving past. One last one. One last one. Sailing okay. for adventure on the deep blue wet thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, okay, so Yeoman gives Ellen his last bead of adium. He's like. Hey, bro, in case you need it, man. And then I was wrong. I was like, I don't think they ever mentioned what an Adian misting is called. He totally does. Because Ellen I, doesn't understand yet. He's like, how did you act like, like, how did you make it look like you were an Alamancer? And he's like, I, I am an Alamancer. Thanks for noticing, man. <laughs> I am an Adian misting, a seer. And Ellen's just like, okay, no, that makes sense. And there's, uh, there's a little bit in the annotations about... Uh, this the Lord oblig or sorry the Lord obligator the Lord ruler <laughs> did test his obligators for the power of Adium he knew about Adium mistings obviously didn't tell anyone but tested obligators to see if they were and uh, especially the high ranking ones those he found were told of their power and they were used as an extra level of security there weren't many but there were some and they tended to rise in the ranks very quickly like Yeoman did and be given important positions so that's what that's how Yeoman found out what he could do, basically. In case you were wondering, well, wait, how did he get Adium and decide to test himself to find out if he was an Adium misting? Got really drunk one night, had a, had a spare bead, and just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> like, dude, don't blow all your money by swallowing it. Ah, try and stop me. And I like, Yeoman even says, like, I never really found the power all that useful. I mean, how often do you have Adium and the desire to use it up in a few heartbeats? Go find your wife, man. It's It's cool. And so he does. He takes off, uh, doing his best to fly with horseshoes as Vin had taught him. So the next epigraph confirms more stuff that we already knew, basically. Each hemallergic spike 
in a in a body gives ruin some small ability to influence them. Depending on the spike, the size of the spike and the length of time, ruin would only have minimal powers over a person. Uh, he could appear and warp their thoughts slightly, such as making them look over overlook certain oddities. For instance, the compulsion for keeping and wearing a simple earring. So there's why Vin kept putting the earring back on. She was, was a bit irrational about that. Every time we see her, she's like, "Oh, gotta put that back in." It's like very strong-willed about that. Right. So that makes sense. Given what a Especially grisly I... reference it is. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not really giving her the warm and fuzzies. It's not like her mom sat her down one day and was like, "You're a really good girl, Vin. Have this earring <laughs> as a constant reminder of me." No. <laughs> she killed her sister with it and then pierced her ear with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a real uh, it's a real downer. <laughs> This is not what we meant by family bonding. Yeah. On the plus side, it's probably lost now. So. Right. And Finn always complains about how her family never comes to visit her, but she fails to mention that they're all dead. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, her dad it, Her dad wasn't dead until the, like, the end of the first book. Yeah, but he was a dick. He yeah, definitely he wasn't was. coming to visit. Also, it's like, yeah, the earring's probably lost. And I'm like, yeah, probably is. But also, I don't know, Vin has ears anymore, so. Good point, yep. Maybe she has god power. She can make her own earrings if she wants. It's fine. So, yeah, we cut to Sazed, and he's going through his notes. Uh, but it, he's like, it's annoying because you got to keep the notes in metal, and the plates are easily scratched, and you can't fold them or bind them into a book, or they're just really inconvenient. And we find out that, uh, you know, Chandra like human comfort, such as blankets, cushions, and mattresses. So that's nice. And some of them even like wearing clothes. And there's a whole – he has a whole thing about genitals, and it's like, huh, I wonder – well, the point of that is, since they, that's not how they reproduce, but whatever. <laughs> I don't think we know how mist race reproduce, actually. That's maybe an interesting question. Well, like, yeah, where do, where do baby mist rates come from? Yeah. Is this a question maybe we need to answer? Like, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're like amoebas and they just like split off. Could be. <laughs> uh, and so he's he's basically learned a bunch about the ancient terrorist religion at this point. Their god, Ter, which is the ancient terrorist word for to preserve, so preservation, basically. Yeah. Let's see. Taught temperance, faith, and understanding. Better to build than to destroy, and et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a religion. It's lots of interesting little tidbits for him. And he's like, it, he's, this depresses him because he's like, it's just another religion. I mean, I don't know what I expected, but uh, and he's... he's now forced to deal with what he started to deal with earlier when he got through all his religions, but then he had like, oh wait, there's one more. Maybe that'll have the answers. He's just like, there's not any answers for me to find. But he starts to kind of take a different approach to it when he reaches this dead end, and he starts thinking about faith stuff that Spook said. Which, geez, you're taking advice from Spook. You must really be at a low point here, dude. <laughs> Uh, and he makes an interesting point where he's like, I, I was begging for a sign of some sort and I got it. So maybe that means something. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But when it comes down to it, like, what do I want to be? Do I want to be a believer? Do I want to be a skeptic? What's what's going to be better? And he's like, you know what? Breeze was right. I'm not I'm not supposed to be an atheist. So he kind of just decides. He's like, I'm going to believe. OK, good deal. I believe what I was programmed to believe. <laughs> I was thinking more like he breaks out into song, like from Book of Mormon. Uh, that's exactly where I went. Yeah. 
you said that, and the uh, the only Book of Mormon song I could think of was the opening, where it's like, hello. Oh, okay, (laughs) not that song. Any sense? No. (laughs) Also, probably not like Hasa Diga Ibuwe. No, not that song either. there's a song laid in that's like all about I believe. He's talking about the tenets of Mormonism. He's like, I genuinely believe this. Yay. Hmm. Meanwhile, like the warlord and background is just like, why are you here? It has been a while since I, I, I took my, before we were married, while we were dating, I took uh, my wife to bought tickets when the show came to Dallas and we went and saw it. That was, that was fun. But that was a while ago. Yeah. And I, I got the soundtrack not that long ago, actually, but I can't listen to a lot of the songs uh, when the kids are around, so... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the last play I saw was... The last play I was in was... Or the last musical that I was in was Spamalot, and then the last one I saw actually was probably also Spamalot. <laughs> like a different performance of Spamalot? Yeah, or? like it came to town with like a traveling group, and then like that was in February, and then that summer one of the universities was going to do the show. So then I auditioned and got in the show. And so I did the show. Uh, nice. Okay. Yep. Hey. It was fun. I got to play Lancelot, which was my favorite character. So it was awesome. Yep. Got to be Tim, the enchanter had to learn how to walk on stilts for the Knights of knee. It was a oh, whole thing. Lord. Oh, geez. Stilts are scary. Yeah. They were painters stilts, so they weren't super tall. Mm-hmm. And and they have like straps and stuff, so it was yeah. pretty safe. I just had to learn how to balance, but luckily they gave me like the Knight of Knees supposed to have like a big walking stick, so it kind of helped. Oh yeah, that would help. Yeah. Last time Spamalot was in town here, one of the local companies did it. A friend of ours was in it, and he got stabbed because a um a retracting knife didn't retract. Oh, ah, oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, he jokes about it to this day. <laughs> and that's how I lost a kidney. Good times. <laughs> Man, I don't think I've ever seen Spam a lot, actually. You didn't see it when I did it? I don't remember seeing it when you did it. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Although, funny. I, re- I remember seeing, uh, like, Young Frankenstein when you did it. Yeah, that was the, the same summer. That's the only one off the top of my head that I can think of. That was the same summer. I did I did them both that one summer. Um, I think you did see it, because you said my British accent was bad. Really? Okay. <laughs> if you say so, I believe you. It's like Sounds like something I would say. It's... <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember ever fighting Godzilla, but that is so what I would have done. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Sorry. We'll, we'll go back to the thing. Yeah. Um, he t- says this thinking about the first generation and how they don't seem all that reverent of like the first contract and stuff. And he's like, of course, these are the guys who knew the Lord Ruler personally. So they're not, They. it's kind of like me knowing Kelsey here. It's hard to think of him as like a god. And now Vin is a god, so, you know. So we've all met people who eventually turned into gods in some way. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Weirdly often in the Schwartz. One thing about the first generation I have noticed, which is kind of confusing to me, it's like one of them, like a guy named Haddock, his name doesn't have the whole Kandra thing of a capitalized letter in the middle of the, in the, middle of the name. Yeah, I assume that's because like his name is originally, you know, Terrace name. Because he was oh, a terrorist, so yeah, I get that. So I'm just then curious, like, so where did that practice come in? Like oh. the seconds have it because you know Kanpar obviously has it, right? Um, so what, like, how did that come into play? What was the reasoning behind that? The first generation's like, we should come up with a cool name scheme to just start mm-hmm. our new species. That's a good question. Hmm. Ask the first generation later. Be like, say, <laughs> ask, ask them. 
Yeah, it was Conpar. He was like, everyone's name must be like mine. Yeah, he's the only second generation with that name, and he's like, no, we're going to use it for everybody. <laughs> I don't know if we know the names of... I think we may have like heard one other second generation name. Varsel, I think, came up. I don't that, know if he was a second. Sounds, I, Varsel sounds familiar. Uh, okay, hold on. I'm going to have to look it up because it's going to bug me. <laughs> second generation, not immigrants, of Condra. <laughs> Sorry, auto complete on on Google. Okay, yep. uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Notable Contra, Conpar, or Sor Tensoon. Uh, now that guy's a sixth generation. That's a third generation. Quan Chi. That would be. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah, okay. It's a Mortal Kombat reference. Yeah, for my uh, for my MK peeps. Hun Four. Is the second generation that we heard? Yeah, I think I heard that one. Yeah, I remember that. that he was there okay. at the trial. Yeah. I think he may be the stupid one. That's <laughs> right. Good old arm face. <laughs> the ugly one. <laughs> stupid one. He's like the. He's like the. <laughs> he's yeah, like that one robot, robot. elder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we made that joke at the time. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> oh gosh. Quiet, Jimmy. <laughs> Government of corrupt robot elders. Uh, okay. So yeah, the speaking of the second generation, as Sazed enters, the second generation is beset with questions by the younger generations. Like, hey, what's going on? I don't understand. Why is this happening? And Conpar's like, no, it's calm down. It's not a big deal, you know. There was rain, and clearly that's what what uh, what happened. <laughs> and Sazed is like, what are we talking about? And the Conjurer are like, the mists. And he's like, what? That they're coming earlier? And he's like, no, they're gone. And just like Yeoman, Kampar's like, Ugh, you people whine when they stay too late, and now you're whining because they left. Jeez. Kampar's just like, there is no such thing as mist going away. Uh, it's like, it rained last night. Sometimes the rain disperses the mist. It's not a big deal. Like, But it's not raining now. And I love that Kampar doesn't appear to be curious at all. He's just like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's normal stuff. Like, he's he, he makes excuses and isn't concerned about what the real explanation is. Apparently that we see, but then uh, the first generation is like, no, wait, this is important. <laughs> He's just like, I've been around for 900 years. It's fine. <laughs> and uh, G- the first generation is like, okay, everybody out except for the except for Sazed. Uh, the resolution may have come, and uh, the resolution has begun. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't print up enough flyers. <laughs> Yeah, his mom and his boyfriend and her boyfriend showed up who he hates. Who he hates, exactly. Dog. <laughs> but so yeah, we I don't know if we know at this point what the resolution is. They explain it, but uh, it's kind of like a hell of a bomb to drop on. He's like, okay, everybody out. Uh, it may be time to commit suicide. We'll let you know. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so yeah, the, they're like, hey, so says, what do you think about the mist? And he's like, I don't. I, I mean, it seems like a big deal, but I don't know why. And they're like, that's because you don't understand. And so the 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 resolution is part of the first contract. They're like, the Lord Ruler mentioned it. Like, basically, we finished the first contract, and the Lord Ruler was like, oh, by the way, like, as an afterthought, uh, mentioned this thing. But then he was like, this is actually kind of important. Like, almost that forgot. Sounds, that sounds like Rorschach. It kind of, kind of does, right? And so one day, we would have to remove our blessings and kill ourselves. And says so like, wait, that would kill you? And it was like, well, it would make us miss race again, which is basically the same thing. 
So every conjurer is sworn and ingrained to pull their blessings free should the first generation command it. And we find out that the mists are the body of preservation, he says. There's lots of stuff that's the body of these gods. They throw that word around a lot, but apparently... I was sad. They, got, they got a lot of bodies. Yeah. Well, in the next epigraph, I think, kind of touches on that, but... I mean, I guess it's like in Greek mythos, right? It's like they use bodies to like, you know, I appear as a goose, I appear as light, I appear <laughs> as whatever. Yeah, a golden shower. And a yeah. Shower. Everyone yeah. comes back to that bloody shower. <laughs> right. Yeah, like he's a he appears as a light beam that impregnates a woman inside a box. You know, it's a whole thing. But I, I love that the Lord Ruler is like, okay, you guys are going to have to kill yourselves at some point. And they're like, oh, geez, when? He's like, I don't know. You'll know when it's time. <laughs> Just, uh, okay, dude, if you say so. And so the first generation is like, the mist disappearing. Is this, is, is that what, are we supposed to know? Is this it? Jeez, I don't know. This is why you don't give these vague sort of orders. It's like, no, you'll know. It's fine. Every every day, they're like, it rained today. Is that the sign? Are we supposed to kill ourselves? <gasps> That's a long 900 years. Right? <laughs> you have to imagine some of them will be in the middle of a contract being commanded to do stuff by the humans, and the rain clouds roll in. It's like, oh, shit. Um, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now, guys. <laughs> See, this is why you don't get too invested in what's going on in the outside world, because you never know what's going to seem like the, the signal. Yeah, but then you wind up like Khan Pa, who's like so not invested in the outside world, he thinks nothing is the signal. Right, it's true. I mean, I would have thought that maybe the Lord Ruler dying would have been the thing, but uh, nobody seems to have considered that. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I get it, right? Like, nobody wants to die. Right, yeah. Khan Pa's ruins nudging him. He's like, Khan Pa's like, I don't want to die. I want to live. <laughs> There's so much I haven't done. Yeah. Khan Pa, you haven't left the homeland in like 700 years. I want to study the rocks. <laughs> I'd get around die. to it if these these pesky first generation people would let me rule then I'd get on to doing things I want to do yeah Just, like bossing people around yeah as the says is like so wait the midst of the body of preservation nod and they've disappeared again a nod does that not mean that preservation is back like no 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 preservation he's gone I, and I like someone's like, wait, but the sliver remains the shadow of self. And Hottie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, at this point, with Ruin Escape, we have to assume that that's been destroyed also. It's just a remnant. So clearly we're talking about the Miss Spirit now. And it's funny that they're familiar with it. They're like, yeah, we we all knew about that thing running around out there, but it's not a big deal. We would wave at him sometimes. <laughs> he waved back. It was great. Yeah. But then he, he tried to st stab us with a psychic knife and we were like, we're Condra. <laughs> stab away dude uh but then like the door gets thrown open and we got the second generation along with some big rock bone fifth generationers coming in and conpar's like take them and, like hot deck is like what is this and he says it twice he's like conpar what is this and they don't say anything and say he's like it's a coup just i've seen this sort of thing before and conpar's like look you people suck you're, like, messing up everything, letting revolutionaries talk, letting outsiders into our, our like, homeland. And Hoddick's like, dude, this is not the time for this crap. And Kampar's like, not the time. You were talking about the resolution. You have no idea how much panic that has caused. Which, yeah, it would when uh, everyone starts spreading the word that, oh, by the way, we may have to kill ourselves soon. Yeah, look, he could have handled that with a little bit more uh, tact. <laughs> you know, maybe not drop the resolution. Maybe just go... We need a minute, guys. Get out. 
Yeah. But I like that Says notes that despite sounding all angry, Kampar is kind of smiling a little bit. And Says thinks it's not even about what Kampar says about. It's about the fact that the seconds have been in charge for all this time. And all of a sudden, the first are talking to people and making the seconds redundant, like over overruling them. And you can't let uh, can't let that happen. Somebody's trying to take your power. And so he's like, Kampar can just stuff them anywhere and then put dummies up in the alcoves, which is what we thought had happened already. So, yeah. Yes, I was like, the cardboard cutouts are still a possibility. <laughs> and uh, the first nurse is like, hey, you owe us obedience. We created you. And Kampar's like, not even acknowledging this. He's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Just take them away. Yeah. The conjurer, like, what do the first think about this? And you just hear, keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And so then they gag the firsts and drag them out. And Says is kind of like, okay, guys, I understand what's going on here. I, I see why you're upset, but you were, this is not – stuff is happening. You Don't do this, please. Like, look, you guys can be in charge. Like, just leave us – lock us in this room if you want. But this is important stuff that we're doing. And Kanpar is like, nah, gag him. Get him out of here. Oh, Kanpar, you suck so much. The, it's the ultimate, ugh, this guy. Because apparently we need to have one of those each book. Yeah, I guess so. It's it's a very important role to play in the books. <laughs> yep. uh, okay, and the next epigraph, uh, it's like, you know what? I've always wondered about this strange ability allomancers have to pierce the mists. Tin lets you see further, which doesn't actually make any sense because it like it's an obstruction. You shouldn't be able to see through an obstruction by seeing better. This should have been our first clue. Allomancers can see through the mists because it's composed of the same power as allomancy. And so wait, burning wait, tin. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. You can't see through an obstruction like by burning tin. And yet what was Spook doing with that blindfold? That's true. I think it was more <laughs> that uh, like you can see through some cloth a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That or the blindfold was also made of preservation. Oh yeah. That, that, it could be that too. Good point. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> he bought it from the preservation store. So all of the items are made out of preservation. It's very, uh, it's very naturalistic. They use every part of the preservation. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't actually ask you guys, like, because we're about to get to the Vin God chapter. Like, what did you think when Vin disappeared in that previous chapter? I kind of thought she might have been dead. Like, like the power had consumed her body or something. Uh, she, like, burned it too hard and exploded or Not exploded, because, yeah, like, like, basically she just vanished. Because, like, her body couldn't handle all the power. And so eventually it just like consumed her. That would have been a hell of a death. Like, how do you explain that? I thought Marsh was just so fucked up. Like he thought she disappeared when actually she just jumped away and left him oh. to rot. Maybe yeah, I misread I kind of went, no, I, I went through both schools of thought. Cause I was like, Oh, she's vanished like into thin air. Like what? How? Mm, okay. Oh no. Maybe she's chickened out of killing him and has disappeared. She's run away. So I kind of went through both. And then it was like, oh, no, nope, she did actually just disappear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's God now. OK. <laughs> cool. Well, and honestly, the beginning of this chapter, this it starts out in that kind of thing. It's like, is she dead? Because she's like floating in nothingness or whatever. And it's like, oh, did, did, did she die? Are we seeing the afterlife now? Is this going to be a thing? Yeah. And she even thinks to herself, she's like, I'm dead. But then she's not exactly dead. She's just reached a higher level. And she sees... Level. level. <laughs> <laughs> You've unlocked the power of love. 
she sees ruin, and it's like not Reen, a big old patch of shifting black smoke, a thing without a body. It's like, wait, that's what I am now. And that's when Ruin's like, Finn, so uh, welcome to Godhood. And her first day as God doesn't go super well. Yeah, she spins the planet real fast. She kills some people with some waves. Yeah, she's like, oh, hey, I can help stuff now. The planet is dying and I can feel it. Uh, She can even feel the people down in the storage cavern. She's like, wait, they're not storage caverns. They're like shelters. That's why they're so vast. So the people can survive a little longer down there, which we kind of already knew, I think. But she's like, well, I can think of Rushek as just one of those like apocalypse preppers. (laughs) That's true. What's the the right term for that? Doomsday Uh, Doomsday Prepper. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he made like the biggest uh, like doomsday prep basements ever, <laughs> fallout shelters, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, she's like, oh man, I got all this power. Look, I can like plug up the ash mounts and sweep all the ash out of the sky, smother the lava. I'm gonna save everybody. Except that uh, she didn't realize that the ash was there for a reason, and so after she clears the sky, everything starts to burn. At which point she's like, oh, shit. Okay, hold on. And then she has to turn the planet so that the, all the people are on the dark side so they don't burn to death. But that does bad stuff to the weather and uh, sends a giant tidal wave towards the coastal cities. Yeah, you're not winning this one, Vin. Well, and maybe she could have done something. Like, she reaches out to stop the wave and everyone's like, nope, we're going to let that wave go right on ahead. That would just be awful. Yeah. And she starts to realize she's like she she has the history she can feel the history of the power that she holds basically, so she kind of sees what Rashek did while he was holding some of this power, and she sees how he messed up the planet and opened the ash mounts to fix it, and she's like oh maybe I should have figured all this out before I started doing shit but it just seemed like such a good idea at the time to get rid of the ash and smoke. It's like her character after the last book was like stop overthinking things just do what feels right. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, Vin, damn it. And I like that, that these people on the coast are the ones who they managed to survive. The Coloss, they either hid for them or they weren't, weren't necessarily there. And when the crops failed, they still had fish to catch and eat. And so then Vin sends a, a tidal wave to kill them. Oh, man. And so Ruin is kind of laughing about it because he's like, look, this is what it's like. Balance. The curse of our existence. I can't do anything because you'll stop me. You can't do anything because I'll stop you. So, hey, that's where we that's where we live. Yeah. After he finishes that speech, he notices Ben's gas forms eating a muffin. He's like, did you get that muffin? She's like, muffin button. (laughs) Muffin button. Muffin button. I want a muffin button. I want a muffin. Yeah. Uh, But she's like, Ruin is not exactly telling the truth because he's like, hey. No matter what you do, you're going to hurt somebody. I'm doing you a favor by stopping you, honestly. And Vin's like, okay, well, that's clearly not true because I don't believe that he's stopping me out of the goodness of his heart. And she also has uh, – she sees metal as, like, glowing with power. And so she realizes this is how Ruin must see it. That's why he can't read words written in steel or metal. She says steel. I think it's any metal. And Ruin has his little rant about, like, I was surprised when Preservation gave up so much of himself to create you, something that can choose to preserve at some times and ruin at other times. 
but he drops one fun little factoid where he's like something in the form of that which we've seen before. It was intriguing. So they copied people from something they had seen before. Yep, they got booted off another planet and sent to this one. Mm. I like that idea. Corner. Yeah, it's like some other planet was just like, you guys are so annoying that we're going to banish you, crazy gods. If you're going to keep fighting, you can do it somewhere where you can't bother us. <laughs> Get out. Go to this, what is this rock called? Skadriel? Go there. That'll teach you. Uh, and so he's like, people say that or preservation sacrificed himself to imprison me. The sacrifice was way earlier. Ever since we created you, there's been an imbalance, which we also already knew from the epigraphs. Uh, so none of that, or but I will say none of that. A lot of that is not as new information for us, but Vin didn't know any of it. So she needed to find out, I guess. But she also notes that he's talking about how he's stronger than her, but they still, still seem equally matched. And he doesn't seem to be lying. So there's something else out there, something that he's looking for, another piece of himself, which, once again, we already knew. But she figures out what it is. That is the adium. And Ruin would be stronger once he found that. And she's like, I just, I don't have enough understanding of this power to use it well. Ruin has like thousands of years head start on me in understanding how to use these powers. So I'm not in a good place. And Ruin's like, I got to give you credit for one thing, Vin. You destroyed all of my Inquisitors except for one. And they're very hard to make. So, but then she sees someone coming to Luthadel flying on spears of light. And it is Elend. And that's the end of that chapter. That was a kind of a shorter one. Looking back, we should have, sorry, the next epigraph is looking back. We should have been able to see the connection between the mists, Alamancy, and the power at the well. Not only can Alamancers pierce the mists, but the mists swirl around somebody using Alamancy as opposed to someone using Hemalurgy. The more spikes you have, the longer one is influenced by spikes, the more the mists were repelled. And this is where Alan shows up at Luthadel, and he's like, what the hell? Like, Credit Shaw is leveled. He doesn't know what a bomb is, but it's like a bomb went off here. He's like, what happened? How is this even possible? It's basically a running gag in this book, like, Every time someone else gets to Luthadel, they look around and just going, what the fuck happened here? And it just gets worse <laughs> every time. That's true. I hadn't considered that, but it's it's at least three times now. That's, that's a good point. He's like, okay, this is messed up, but uh, where's Vin? That's what I came here for. And he's like, it was weird because uh, strange stuff is happening. Like, it was really hot for a minute. Like, my face is burned from how hot it was. And then the sun left. And now it's nighttime, even though all the clocks say that it should be like the middle of the day. And he has to keep venture, and there's lots of dead people, including he finds like on uh, on the back patio or whatever, the corpse of Penrod, who appears to have killed himself. And he finds letters scrawled in charcoal on the floor. I'm sorry, something is taking control of me, of the city. I'm lucid only part of the time. Better to kill myself than cause more destruction. Look towards the terrorist dominance for your people. And Helen's like, wait a second, really? The terrorist dominance? That's like way up north. Why would anyone go there? Uh, and in case anyone was interested, there is a little bit in the annotations about this bit where it's like, yeah, basically there was a house war, which he says, which I believe I mentioned earlier in the text that did all of this damage. The dangers that Kelsier rioted up and nearly loosed on the city four years ago finally snapped and were allowed to run free. Previously, Ellen held off the ska and the nobility from tearing the city to pieces. And he says, poor Luthadel, it's taken a real beating. First the rebellion, and then the siege. And now this, our last scene in the city for the series, we leave it behind as a corpse. Wow. Note, however, 
that there are indeed people hiding underneath Critic Shaw, as Ellen fears. A lot of them, in fact, as as many as fled. But I didn't want to deal with that in this book, as it would be distracting. So, yeah, okay. So they're all dead? Oh, I mean, I think right now they're all in the cave with a building cr- cr- crashed on top of them, so they can't get out. So maybe? Ah, the rise of the mole people. <laughs> well, they probably got some resources down there if Ellen left anything down there. Yeah, I figure he must have left some stuff. Yeah. Oh, they'll they'll survive. They just can't get out, so they're going to become the subterranean Morlocks. Yeah, sure, sure. So we can die later. <laughs> really, it depends on if the world survives the day, so... True. Yeah, true. Yeah. Crap, people, crap. People. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a voice whispers to him, Ruin, lies. And he's like, wait, Ruin can change text. So I bet that that is not what that said. But the people went somewhere, right? So, hmm. And this is where he thinks, like, maybe they made it to the storage cavern, but I kind of hope not, because the palace collapsed on top of that, so they're kind of stuck if they did. And then a voice whispers again, West, the pits. And he's like, wait, Ruin usually changes just a little bit, as little as possible, so it's still similar to before. So maybe instead of Terrace Dominance, Penrod wrote the Terrace People, which makes way more sense, because that's way closer than the Terrace Dominance. And it's an established group of people where they could take some refugees and stuff. So he heads that way. And Vin's like, man, I understand Ruin's frustration now because I have like the powers of creation, phenomenal cosmic powers, and I can get like four words to Ellen and that's it. That is really annoying. And I don't even know if he heard them. And Ruin's like, hey, balance, balance imprisoned me. Uh, Preservation managed to lock me away. For a time, only for a time. And what is time to us, Vin? Nothing. And we get to what the last epigraph for this section. It may seem odd that Adium was part of a god. It's necessary to understand that when we say body, we generally mean power. As my mind has expanded, I've come to realize that objects and energy are composed of the same things and can change state from one to another. So whenever they're talking about body, it's, it's like part of the overall power of a god. It's just the power that's in a physical form, basically. But interestingly, Adium, everything in the world is half ruin, half preservation, except for Adium, which is all ruin. The, the pits of Hassan were crafted by preservation as a place to hide a chunk of ruin's body that he'd stolen away during the betrayal and imprisonment. The crystals would have regrown in a few hundred years after Kelsier destroyed them and continued to deposit Adium as the place was a natural outlet for ruin's trapped power. So I guess there's the explanation of why it grows there. Because that's what preservation set it up. He needed to put the power somewhere, and so he created this outlet for the power. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing is that like it regenerates itself in that once it's burned, it still exists, mm-hmm. and then just like re is recreated in the geodes. Yep, eventually. Yep. And I like that he's that uh, that he's like, hey, maybe since it was all ruined power, maybe that's why Adium turned people into such efficient killing machines. That that's a ruined thing. You have, have to wonder, they, may, they made a point in one of the other epigraphs that, you know, when people use allomancy, the mists swirl around them and come to them. But if Atium is is all ruin, then if, like, if they're burning Atium, do the mists still swirl around? Or they just go, ew, ew, not that one, and then sort of stagger off a bit? That is a good question. I don't know that, I don't know that we know uh, that we've seen somebody burning just Atium in the mists to see what would happen. Yeah. I personally hope the mist went, ew, ew. <laughs> <laughs> ew, gross, get it away. But yeah, it's uh, 
to Joe's point, it says that the power comes back after the nugget is used, just like the power of the Well of Ascension comes back after it's used. Just takes a while. And then we get to the comedy, the 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 Three Stooges section, and say it's just like, this is the weirdest dungeon that I've ever been in. I mean, I've only been in one other dungeon, but I've read about dungeons, and this is weird. Like, it's just a hole in the ground with an iron grate on top. And he's like, yeah, I think my favorite part is that they, even though they know he's not a Chondra, they just pour water on him instead yep. of like giving him it, giving it to him in a way he could drink it. Like this is what we do for all the prisoners. So let's just pour some water on him. That we have bl- we have blankets and bedding, but we don't have cups. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey man, you guys run around in true bodies. Like, can you not just pour water on me? Can you give me a container to drink it out of? <laughs> He has to like like wring out his clothes and drip the water into his mouth because he's he's all wet from them coming around and periodically dumping water on him. Oh, and I I just like the way he's sitting there thinking like I guess these pits are made for a chondra. I mean like one without bones I guess. What would that even be like? A pile of goo? A pile of muscles? Hmm. Huh. He's having the same discussion we have about chondra. Yep. It's like. A member of the third generation had poured some water on him, and he was still wet. He'd taken to sucking the cloth of his robes. And uh, he's just like, this is silly. The world is ending, and I'm in prison? What the f- <sighs> But now his hope is getting stronger. His faith is getting stronger all the time. The hero is real and says believes in her. Uh, and he notes that the lock is steel and the grate is iron. So he's like, well, I guess while I'm doing nothing else, I can save up some ferrochemy. Uh, the lock he can store speed in and he can store weight in the grate and being able to store stuff and go into like a trance to store stuff, I guess just helps pass the time if nothing else. Cause he's got nothing he can do down here. And so he that wasn't sure a magazine. <laughs> that would be nice. Right? No, it, that would get really wet at the next time they came to pour water on him. Yeah, true. He wasn't sure how long the meditation lasted. Occasionally the guard came to pour water on him. <laughs> just, it's so rude. It seems like, like, yep. Oh, gosh. And then he hears something and a face shows up and he's like, dude, when I sent you back to save my people, this is not what I had in mind. And he's like, Tensoon. Oh, good. Jeez, this is this is nice. So Tensoon has recruited some of his buddies, Malon and some other presumably like younger generation people to come and help out. And apparently, Conpar uh, announced that the first generation had ordered Says to be uh, imprisoned. So no one is suspicious at this point of, that anything has happened other than the first generation decided they didn't like Sazed anymore. And Sazed's like, no, man. Those second... old guys are fickle. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> He's like, the second generation took the first captive and planned to rule in their stead. And Melon's like, no, they wouldn't. And he's like, yeah, they, they would. And he's like, actually, I'm kind of scared for them because I'm a human. Kampar wouldn't kill me, but the first were not humans, so... And Malon's still like, no, they're Chondra. They wouldn't do something like that. We're not like that. Oh, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You just, people are people, even blob people. It's like Tensoon and Says, the two outcasts from their society, are just like, wow, okay, we really need to educate this girl. It's like, oh, you sweet summer child. It's okay. <laughs> and Tensoon's like, okay, we got to find the first and recover the trust warren. And one of the other conjurers is like, yeah, we'll fight with you, Tensoon. We're going to overthrow the seconds and their insistence on serving the humans. And so he's like, wait, what? That's not what we're doing here. Um, okay. Remember, men, kill all aliens except me, sir. Yes, no one kill Kif. Unless you, unless have, you to. have to. 
And then comes the comedy fight where Saze falls on people and uh, destroys them, which it's really a great plan. And he notes in the annotations, he's like, Saze keeps saying he's not a, a warrior, but he's actually not bad at this kind of thing. Uh, he's smart and uh, has managed to do some good stuff. I mean, yeah, Saze does a good job here, but all I hear is Benny Hill. <laughs> just even just the way the paragraphs are laid out when it says then fell on him. Like, yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like got this really dramatic moment and belly flop. Like, <laughs> the guard comes up and he like gets he like hugs him. He gets him in like a bear hug and then falls on him while being way heavier than usual and breaks all of his stone bones. Uh, and then he can also tap a little speed to you know move faster than them and grab them. And he's like, yeah, they use stone true bodies. Not enough, considering how much weight I have saved up. We're going to crush that to a fine powder. And then we can shove them in one of these pits. And then once he's done, Tensoon has the final guard down in his dog body. He's like, dude, I thought you were a scholar. And says is holding the hammer and kind of throws it aside. He's like, I am. I mean, Vin would have fought her way out of here days ago. But Tensoon has a plan. Oh, here we get another, a fifth generation's name for Kood. He's like, what have you done for Kood? And he's like, spits. And he says, dirty third. Which This is, geez, we got some, like, deep-seated racial stuff happening in among the Chandra. That's messed up. Oh, good. Class warfare. Like, we, like there hasn't been a lot of that already. Yeah, that's true. It's like, we're, we're better than humans. Uh, um, mm, okay, yeah. The first book was all built on a class warfare situation among the humans, and here we have it happening as well. Um. And I just like the, t- the Tencent's like, uh-uh, you're the traitor this time. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> Bullshit, I wasn't with a hooker today. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, but then they find the, the first generation. They've been put in some of these cells. Uh, he's like, they must have killed the Chandra who were being imprisoned here as, like, uh, eternal punishment. And then hid the first generation in there. No one ex- would expect that. And it wouldn't look strange to continue to feed them or whatever, because that's what they do. So, and uh, Say's like, we got to get moving. And Tenson's like, no, no, no. If we don't have the first with us to, like, explain, we're not going to get far. Like, all of the rest of the Conjure will come after us. If we got the first on our side, then everyone will listen. So, and he goes over to Four Kood, and he's like, okay, so either you give up those bones, or I'm going to digest you and kill you like I did to Orsor. So I guess that explains uh, how he killed Orsor, finally. Ew. So he's a cannibal? I guess. And Says is like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, Zane taught me this. No one expects a conjurer to be an imposter. And so he takes four Kood's bones and pretends that he's four Kood. And he's like, I'm going to go out and tell him that, like, you know, Tenzin's been captured. It's all good. Nobody needs to worry. Because the first generation are going to take a while to regenerate once they get bones. They're not real good at this. And the section that we read this time ends with Says sitting down. He's like, you know what? I guess there's really not a rush, right? We need the first generation. They're here. So what if the seconds are in charge for a few hours? What harm could they possibly do? Uh, yeah, you really shouldn't have said that. Says. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's having faith and then there's that. Yeah, there's. Yep. Mm-hmm. Damn it, Says, you're the smart one. Uh, and I like Brandon talking in the annotations. He's like. Yeah, I probably should have cut that last line. It feels really cliche, but it really is what Sazed was thinking. So, and then he goes, foolish, foolish Sazed. Because you've said that line now, you've damned us all. 
Yeah. Well, he doesn't. Says doesn't know he's in the Sanderlanch. <laughs> no, that's true. Oh goodness. Okay. So yeah, that was uh, that was our chapters. Things ha- have been happening. Uh, this is an acceleration beyond any of the other Sanderlanches. We've got people becoming gods, entire cities getting destroyed. So uh, what do we have as far as predicaments time? Uh, what do you, how, how now that we're approaching the very end, how is it going to, what's going to happen? Mm. Yeah. So here's my prediction for the ending and I'm going to tie in some things here. So in one of the epigraphs, the epigraph writer who we believe as a group collectively to be sazed says, as my mind expanded. Okay. Which is exactly what's happened each time somebody has touched the power of preservation And so what I think is going to happen is they're going to realize somebody somehow is going to realize that Vin is now preservation or Vin's going to be able to communicate somewhat directly or indirectly with her comrades. Maybe maybe Ruin will get the Adium and they'll have to fight him in his bodily form, whatever the case may be. Basically, at the end, once Ruin has been vanquished or whether or even if he hasn't at the end what we're going to see is like finn wants to be with ellen in human form it wants to be back with her husband and so she basically says is going to take the mantle of godhood from her and he is be going going to become the new preservation mm. plus it kind of fits with his whole style it's like he's preserved he has his whole life he has been a preserver of knowledge sure so like you know that's that kind of fits in with his kind of thing with his personality type i feel like he's also i we i think we get a sense that ruin is the evil part of the yin yang and so preservation would be the benevolent part of the yin yang and i feel like says this pretty has been um up until recently a, a very benevolent person and then most very recently has kind of gone back to that way of being. So then I'm sure thinks that Saves would probably be much better at at being preservation or having preservation's power than she would. So that is my guess for how that kind of story is going to wrap up is where she will give up that power and then Saves will become the new preservation. As far as the world ending... I mean, maybe they will be all moved off planet. Potentially, Saves could just move the planet or move them. I mean, if preservation has the power to move the planet and their power, and if they're not originally from the planet, maybe their his power is not limited to just doing things on the planet. Maybe he can actually somehow transport them or something. But yeah, so that's uh, that's my as much sense as I can make of what we've read so far as to what I, I believe is the most likely outcome for the Vincent Ellen story that that's kind of unfolding here at the end. But yeah, I, I, things are obviously going to get worse before they get better, especially in the homeland of the Chandra, since that's where the Adium is and stuff. Mm, yeah. Th- things don't seem like they're going to get better. Right. I agree. Uh, right away. Also, I, that's a good point. I feel like if, uh, if Vin was out there and she's like, okay, I don't want, I don't want this power. Uh, if she was going to handpick someone else to have it, I, I think that it would make sense that she would pick Says. That, like, who's going to be good at this? Who's going to know stuff and be able to learn about how to use this power? That guy. Is that guy? He's no. Okay. 
So that's that's some good thoughts. Okay, cool. So I I, I need to preface this is like I'm gonna so I'll tell you what I thought was gonna happen, and now having listened to Joe's prediction, I hope I'm wrong because I I like his a lot more than okay. I like mine. Just the fact that the epigraphs were like yeah really playing coy about oh Vin has these had the power like she's the one person who had the copper cloud thing blah 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 that we read these this time and then she turned into a god i thought that was basically her just like surrendering her identity as vin saying like so that was a person i am no longer that person mm. um so that was when i started to swear it's like oh maybe vin really is the one noting all this down the hero of ages been like oh yeah like uh, that, that's where i thought that was going but yeah having having just listened to joe's theory it's like i want that because like one it makes a lot more sense for vin to do it that way makes lots a lot more sense for says because he is the one who can learn and do things correctly i mean he made that whole damn situation with the pulleys and whatnot back in erto so like if anyone can figure out how things actually work and, and the right way to do things it's got to be him so yeah so yeah that was that was what i thought oh maybe yeah it actually has been telling the epigraphs and now it's like oh god i hope it's not i hope it, has, I hope it still says <laughs> but yeah like don't really know where else this is going because this is all so chaotic. Like I am convinced Marsh is coming back for one last hurrah. I mean, he's going to die, but <laughs> we haven't seen the last of him yet. I mean, they made a point, like even Ruin said like, yeah, you left one of the inquisitors alive. So he's not yep. done. And may, yeah, maybe Ruin get Ruin gets his power back and like, doesn't need Marsh anymore. So Marsh is finally able to fight back against him or something. I think that would be satisfying. But yeah, and uh, yes, uh, again, Joe is right. Campara is very is being nudged by Ruin with the spikes in him. So yeah, causing problems. Mm, I don't know. Okay. I just like I've got, uh, yeah, the the plot is flapping wildly, and I can't keep up. I'm just like, oh god, <laughs> I just need to like just sit down in the, amongst the storm and let all the details sink in. Mm. Yep, we're we're you we're we're almost there. So you can yeah. Once we get to the end, you can sit there and go, oh, now I see how it all fits. That's who the third guy talking to Quillian was. We still never got that answer. Nope, we, we have no idea. It turns out that was like Ruin Kelsier in there. He was just at the meeting. Good to be. That was pre-Spook um, uh, yeah, Spike. before the Spike. That's true. Yeah, good point. Spook Spike. The Spook Spike. <laughs> yeah, are you feeling down about yourself and want to get some power on your hands? Reach for the Spook Spike. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, another the side effects right may hear voices. Yeah. May hear voices and lose control of your mind. Okay. So overall, I'm gonna say Sazed is still the hero of ages. I okay. think okay. I've I've maintained that this whole book and I'm not willing to give it up now. So. <laughs> you jump ship at the last minute. Yeah, I can't I can't just do the switcheroo. That's 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 mean. So Sazed Sazed definitely still the hero of ages in my book. I really like Joe's thoughts on how he manages to sort of touch preservation's power. And I like the idea of Vin and Ellen being able to be back together because that was making me sad when I was like, oh, no, she's a god and she can't speak to him and this is awful. We've, we've, we're so invested in this relationship now. We need <laughs> this to work. You know, I hope there's some kind of happy ending there for them, but it really depends on what actually happens to the world. There's they haven't really, I mean, apart from Vin's Inquisitor fight, they haven't really had a lot of wins that Ruin hadn't designed mm. at this point. So I'm still leaning towards the world will end. But I think there's there's got to be something fairly significant to the Kandra pulling out their spikes 
and if their spikes have got something to do with ruin, that's it, that's going to have to have a pretty significant impact, I guess, to Ruin's ability to do what he does, especially it looks like there's, there's sort of that design flaw built into them. You know, you, you pull that out and something happens, I don't know. But if if on mass every Kandra pull out their spike, spikes, that's going to have to do something fairly big. So I, I don't know what that's going to look like yet. It feels strange that we've only got a handful of chapters left and there's so many things we, we don't know the answers to. I don't know how we're going to, or if we're even going to get a chance to wrap things up further with the crew, well, those who are still remaining in Fadrex. I feel like we've sort of had our goodbye with Yeoman, but we know Ham's still out there, mm-hmm. possibly on their way back, but it was like get the people into the caverns in Urtau. It's people get to keep people into the caverns. We've, from the annotations, we know there are people underneath Lutherdell, like everyone's getting underground. So I don't know. I don't know how we're going to go. The epilogue is just um, Ham engaging Yeoman in a philosophical conversation. <laughs> Yeoman's really into it and said, it's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm stuck down here with these guys. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's going to be, yeah, there's still so much to wrap up. I, It's, it's such a jumble of information, but yeah. Looking forward to seeing how much we can get thrown at us yeah, in the next right. few. <laughs> it really harkens back to the first book, even where we got towards the end, and it's just like, well, they're obviously not going to beat the Lord Ruler in this book. Like, there's no time for that. Yeah, and all of a sudden they I, beat the Lord Ruler, and it's like, oh, yep, oh. <laughs> I, I guess there was time for that. Okay, then. Do you remember the days when we were like, yeah, I mean, clearly they won't beat the Lord Ruler this book. It'll be like the loser, and they'll have to reorganize next book, and then in the third book they'll probably beat him or. It's, it, was, it was kind of just like a, I mean, yeah, like literally the end of the novel as a whole was them killing him, and then like, because you expect after a battle like that, there's going to be a much longer wrap up than there actually was. I think that was one of yep. like, I think I think uh, Joe, you said that like the epilogue was just way too quick for that book, didn't you? Yeah, I mean the the abruptness of the first book was jarring, um, only only overshadowed by the abruptness of the second book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, next week we'll find out is it topped again. Yeah, it's gonna be even bigger. It's gonna be sazed on a rock, riding through the cosmere. Being like, man, that sucked, huh? The end. <laughs> yeah. Smash he's cut. Gonna be like present. silver. Right. He's gonna be like Silver Surfer, but instead the song's gonna be "Don't Stop Me Now." I was just having the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Says the Comet Rider. Yeah. Actually, that's a badass title. Says the World Rider. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll have to find out next week what happens. Uh, and just while we're on the subject, we're finishing the book for next week. So chapters 79, 80, 81, 82, and the epilogue. Ooh. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Uh, we're, finally, we're, we're like... Well, we started in, like, uh, April, so we're, like, 13 to 14 months into this, and we're finally finishing the trilogy. Yeah. Hey, that's not bad. I mean, we even took, like, four four weeks off or something like that, so, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, I'm pretty good. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so those are for next time, and we will see what everyone thinks about the book, the ending, and the trilogy wrap-up in the next episode. 
Yeah, we're going to – so the next episode, we're going to do the end of this. We'll hit – well, obviously, what did everyone think of the ending and how you feel like the book wrapped in the trilogy. But then the episode after that, when we start in on Secret History, we'll take time at the beginning of that because it will be a short section we're reading to do a few – I think I picked out like one prediction from each of you from like early in the series that I thought was oh, just – really great so we're not going to do like a huge long segment on that but we'll have at least a little bit of it and uh and we may do a little more like wrap up feelings on the the trilogy if we don't feel like we cover that enough in the last episode because the section of text we're reading for next time is still it's longer than the section we read for this time even though it's fewer chapters so uh depending on if we feel like we had enough time we'll have more time for the next episode that we can still kind of come back and wrap that up if we need to so that is the plan there Cool. Uh, hey, meantime, Dad, Jamie, how do you guys feel? Like, we could finish the book now. We could finish uh, it. It, right it after hasn't we, quite sunk in. I know. Right after we get off <laughs> the is, get it, off It's the exciting. Yeah. Freedom. I think I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a few days before I finish it. I could digest everything. Like, normally we get off the recording and I pick the book up straight away and just start really? reading it. <laughs> but, um, but uh, I pro- probably can't do that this week because we're going to the movies in a couple of hours. So. Oh, what are you seeing? Quiet Place 2. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I never saw the first one, so. I saw the I first it. one for the first time a couple of days ago. Well, probably a good thing to do before you go see the second one. Yeah, that makes sense. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you're not really into that genre, though, are you, Data? No, not really. It's not. Yeah. Not really. I, I was surprised. I mean, I guess it makes sense because there's hardly any dialogue, but uh, I was surprised that they're both PG-13. So was I. Hmm. Okay, let's. We have several emails this time, so I guess let's go ahead and get into those. Uh, I think we have six. Jesus, including the ones that we saved from last time, though, which we had like three left from last time. So, okay, so the first one is from Michael. It says, "Good evening, Sandra Lanch crew. I'm Michael from Gray and Rainy Seattle, and I'm listening to your back catalog to catch up. I am fully caught up on the Cosmere, but currently listening to your podcast has been like rereading or like reading Mistborn for the first time again. And I love your podcast and the highs and lows." Jamie, Dak, and Joe go through as Data leads them on and screws with their minds. Your podcast definitely makes going to the gym and my commute to work much easier. If my podcast app allowed, I would give you a five-star or a five-boxing rating. The one bone I have to pick is the amount of hate that Joe has for Spook. <laughs> there it is. I know Joe wrote a Spook rap, on, and on my way home today, all I can think of is what if Spook wrote a response and kicked off a rap battle with Joe? The idea wouldn't leave my head. So I had to go get home and try and write out Spook's response. It's been a while since I've written lyrics of any kind. But wow. Here's what so we have the the the, the Spook clap back. Well, <laughs> my rap amazing. was about Spook, so I don't really feel like I'm battling him. I, I don't think I said anything mean about him in the whole rap. No, I think also, you're, you're nice to him in the rap. Also, like, Joe wrote it in Spook slang, so does that mean Spook would have to write it back in Joe's <laughs> vernacular? Yeah. Yeah, you better write it in perfect English. I'm, I'm gonna let Joe read read the rap because that's his uh, his deal. I put I pasted it into our chat. You can. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me read it. Oh wow, this is good. Okay, here we go. Hey, for shizzle, it's your boy Spook. Dizzle wasn't left without the knowing. So Spook, hate you. Start sewing. Even being left and with no sight, I still win with. I still win. Will thin this fight. <laughs> wasn't with the saving of the ladies. Now they all just want to. They all just want Spook babies. But the lady's gonna mourn because they can't handle less the borns. Citizen will have to run once Spook and crew are done. 
You shit on my lack of learning, but placing Kelsier's crew, you won't be earning. I'd say you're worse than Marsh, but it's just ruin who makes him harsh. Volcanoes from metal, you be crazy. Guess your predicaments are just lazy. Don't need Adia <laughs> to burn to see. Joe has more to learn. Wasn't with more rhymes. I do be lacking, but Spook just sent you packing. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's, uh, really, that's really good. Holy crap, I, that's awesome. <laughs> I disagree with uh, the fact that the volcanoes thing. I didn't. I didn't come up with that. Uh, I, I don't really <laughs> want to be on tax for no reason. Yeah. Uh, Just I a bystander like, here. Yeah, I feel like Kelsier's uh, crew. I don't want to be on because he's dead and his whole crew is had it pretty rough. So I don't really care. Um, but hey, man, <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh gosh. He says, no actual hate to Joe. Volcanoes would be cool to get from burning metals. Still not Joe. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, still not me. Still didn't come up with that one. I just thought it would be funny if Spook responded and got into a rap battle. Thanks for the great podcast. Sure. Uh, wasn't to the time of next. Never going to live that fucking down, am I? No. No. Well, actually, I might because I keep blaming you for it, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Apparently, I came up with volcanoes. Uh, it, oh, and he, there's a PS that's like... Uh, I, I since he didn't have the the pod uh, the Apple podcast is like I I guess I'm I won't be in the misting crew I'm pretty sure I'm stuck as a ska for life it's tough to be a ska there you go noticeably uh, fat rewind the tape uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say like yeah he like he didn't review us so he so he like copy the misting crew but for that skill with words I think he should be a keeper there you go sure honorary. Somebody yeah. asked on, on the Discord, like, what we're going to do after uh, after we're not reading Mistborn. If someone leaves, like, a five-star review, will they still be, like, like, in the Misting crew? Or will they have, like, new things based on whatever book we're doing then? And before I could answer, someone was like, I think that's basically up to Joe. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going with that answer. It's <laughs> Joe will pick what happens. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting. <laughs> you know, no pressure or anything. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I feel like if if we do come up with something new, that just makes the misting crew more special because it's like, okay, that ended. You can't be in that crew anymore. Yeah, it was True. A one time only deal. I mean, we'll come back to Mistborn stuff later, but no, we're never coming back. <laughs> well, we we are coming back to Mistborn books later. So, I yeah, this is this is me saying I'm not coming back. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm announcing my resignation. I will not run for another term. Yeah, apparently okay. I wouldn't get voted for anyway. I hate Spook too much. <laughs> Next email is from Michael. Not the same Michael. Oh, okay. Is it Michael Fassbender? Is he no. listening finally? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, he might be listening. Well, I don't know. Have you been part. trying to get him to listen? No, not at all. <laughs> He's posting on his Facebook page. Uh, so Michael says, hello, Sander Lanch crew, but mostly data because there's spoilers in here. I've been wanting to email, waiting to email you guys until I got caught up, but I couldn't help myself. I'm currently on episode 49, and I've been reading along. I'm lucky enough to have a job that I can listen to podcasts and audiobooks all day, so it's working out well, and I'm catching up quickly. To the meatiest part of my email, Dak predicted the volcano theory very early on, Adium creates volcanoes. In retrospect, that looks silly. I'm here to convince you that it was, in fact, genius and canon. During, uh, during the final parts of... A hero of Ages, we find out that Adium is actually a part of Ruin, so in order to make sense of the theory, we have to remember these three facts. One, Adium is the body of Ruin. Two, the body and the power of one of these gods is the same thing. And three, in Chapter 34, we witness Ruin, and by extension his power, cause a volcano to erupt. Therefore, we can conclude that Adium does have the power of mm. volcano eruptions 
Bravo deck. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've often thought that when we figured out that Ruin was the one creating the Ash Mounts and making them spew more, I'm like, wait, aren't we? Wasn't he? Wasn't this right? <laughs> but uh, but I'm glad the listeners caught on. That's good. Yay, people got my back. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> now, my question to you, Data, too. is... Yeah, yeah, my question to you, Data, is did any of the... Do you remember, did any of the listeners at that time be like, hey, he's kind of right? Uh, there have been, over the course of the show, several people who said something along those lines where it's like, well, kind of. I mean, he's got a bit of a point. I don't think it was very early on. I don't think it was until we got into Well of Ascension when that first started coming in. Uh, when people are like, oh, right, Ruin is a thing. And, well, he's kind of, but there may have been, there may have been one or two, like, very early. I don't recall. Yeah. That, that was, yeah, that was a jerk prediction from, like, the first fucking episode, wasn't it? It was very early on. I don't know that if it was the first episode. No, but, it, it, uh, it was because, like, um, Kelsey had burned down that dude's manor house. And we just, oh, and yeah. We sure what the hell happened? That's right. And, and I'm just like, hmm, okay. Well, maybe you hadn't, had I heard of Atium at that point? I don't know. Well, yeah, and, I think maybe... I think maybe he it was in the second episode because he tells Docs I used up the last of my Adium. No, that might be it, yeah. Uh, okay, Michael also says, I love the podcast. I discovered it when Data made the one-year post on Reddit, and I've been binging ever since. However, I do have a bone to pick with Joe. Well of Ascension <laughs> used to be my favorite in the series. I'm a sucker for political intrigue, so all the parts that you guys were slow and boring were the parts that I enjoyed the most on my first read-through. All the prophecy, 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 prophecy stuff was background. That was cool, but not so interesting that I dreaded going back to the politics. Joe changed my mind. He's absolutely right. The book should not have been called The Well of Ascension. I hadn't thought too much about it before, but now I agree with him. The second book rubbed me the wrong way now. The title of the book should match the theme of the book, and now the ending feels feels rushed. So thanks for that, show. You took my favorite book of the series and knocked it down a few pegs, and you were right to do so. Hey, man. I, you know... I, I I don't want to make something that was your favorite not your favorite anymore, but you know we all do that right. Like one of my uh, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is uh, Star Trek: The Next Conversation, and they talk about TNG primarily because that's where they started. And I loved TNG as a teenager, and then uh, that's when I started watching it. But yeah, when they pick apart those episodes, I'm like, wow, this really is shit. But that doesn't mean I don't still enjoy the show or even enjoy the episode that they pick apart. It just means that I'm critically thinking about it in a different way from somebody else's perspective. So you're you're welcome to like all the political intrigue. And yeah, maybe I was right to point out some of that stuff. But hey, if you like it, you like it. And uh, I hope I hope I didn't really take that away from you because uh, that's that's not what we're here to do. I'm never listening to that podcast now, by the way. I, I don't need people. To, <laughs> the, that show's bad. Dude, they they love the show. That's the thing. It's like they love it. But they pick it apart, and it's very, yeah. like, obvious, like, some of the shortcomings. And you're like, wow, yeah, that's bad. Uh, the end of the email is, I want to, I want badly to join the Misting Crew, but listening on Spotify, can't leave a review. You guys are five stars to everyone that I tell you about. Love the show. Can't wait to see what you guys, where you guys go next. Uh, oh, and then he asked for the Discord link, which I already sent him. So we're good on that. Uh, okay, we have a very short email from Sasha. And I don't remember what episode this came in after, so I have no idea what exactly she's talking about, which just makes it better. She says, will someone confiscate Joe's Adium? It's really not fair, him looking into the future and spoiling everyone else like that. Tell him I said to stop. Oh, so am I making some good predictions, eh? He must have made a really good prediction somewhere. Uh, I don't remember which one. So. Yeah. I feel like I feel like this book has just been... I And remember, I this is the first book I'm writing down every epigraph. 
I'm writing down a summary of every chapter we read. This is the first time I've done that in the series that we've so far. And I feel like it really has helped me catch a bunch of stuff that I'm like, well, maybe this or maybe that. Sense. So um, I, I took this third book very seriously because I felt like maybe I didn't give the second book its fair assess a, a super fair assessment. I feel like you're mad that the second book pulled put one over on you by like faking you out and giving you the clues to figure out that they were faking you out. Yeah, it, it it's probably fifty fifty because honestly, it's like I feel like wow, I should have. I should have been smarter than this, but then also I felt like, well, this book was abrupt. Yeah, no, it makes. Uh, what is up with every email this week calling Joe out for something? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a polarizing figure, I guess. <laughs> the next, <laughs> the next one doesn't. So uh, the next one is from Syfix, and it says, "I'm on episode 12 and loving it so far. The group's theories are way better than mine, especially when someone I forget who mentioned that Rashek was the Lord Ruler." They forgot about it after like 20 seconds, but still. P.S. Can't wait for their reactions to Secret History. P.P.S. Also, hi, future, hi, me in the future. <laughs> that was, I don't okay. know. Okay, <laughs> nice. Cool. <laughs> no, that, 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 that is something that's always one because like, oh, got all these people saying I'm up to this episode. And I'm just like, so do those people like forget that they've emailed in and then they listen to an episode and, they, and you read out their email? It's like, oh, shit, I did do that. So I, I, that's how I feel. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did say that. Like the thing he was just talking about. I'm the one who said that, and then I forgot about it, and then Jamie <laughs> said it way better than I said it, and I was like, oh yeah, that was the thing I said. Okay, was that you? See, I was I was just thinking, I'm like, I'm sure he's not talking about Jamie, or she, he or she, he's not talking about Jamie's, because Jamie, like, had a big, long, thought-out thing. She did not forget about it 20 seconds later, so it must be someone else he's talking about. Yeah, it was totally me. We were joking around, and I said, it was like in the middle of an episode, and I was like, oh, you know what would be a crazy thing? I'm not even going to put this in predictions because it's just so ridiculous. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. What if Rashek yeah. was the Lord Ruler? And then that's what it ended up happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. Like, the joking, like, this is this this is absurd predictions always tend, like turn out to be right more than the actual predictions yeah. do. Yeah, volcanoes. I, I'm saying they're right. I'm, I'm on board. Ruin created volcanoes. Ruin is Adium. You did it. You did it, Dak. You did it, buddy. Solidarity. <laughs> Uh, we have one Angela Prime. I don't think we've heard from her in a while. She's got her own channel in the Discord because she's uh, was trying to keep up with us, but was a little bit behind. And we love Angela, so I was like, okay, you, you, we'll have the Angela channel. <laughs> so this one is a a defense of Beldry. It says, hello all. It's been much too long since so I sent an email rather than just chatting in the Discord. I was very behind until yesterday, and I've enjoyed finally reading and listening to the events of the last few weeks. Today, I sent a message in the Discord along the lines of, I love Beltry, she's so much better than Alran. Then I listened to the podcast and heard differing opinions. <laughs> I now feel like I need to explain myself and defend the version of Beltry who lives in my head, though I don't know if she's actually the Beltry we see in the books. So I should say that when Beltry was just some pretty girl who Spook was stalking, I felt very ambivalent toward her. I hated that we had a sweet, innocent little flower living in a cruel world that our battle-worn heroes Spook would chase after... I was rolling my eyes whenever she was on the page. Then Spook acted somewhat logically when she showed up in the cavern, and Beldry didn't break down in hysterics when she was captured, and I thought, well, the bar is low, but that isn't as bad as it could be. So yeah, there's a, a ringing endorsement. The moment we realized Beldry is an Alamancer changed things for me. Suddenly, instead of being a boring girl who idolizes men with power, such as Spook and her brother, she was a woman keeping her own power under wraps to enact her influence. 
She didn't walk into the caverns defenseless. She was capable of defending herself and was probably capable of escaping before she did. She just chose to stay, probably for information gathering reasons, and also because she actually admired some of what Spook and crew were trying to do. I wonder if she went there for the express purposes of being captured and gaining information rather than the excuse that she gave. Uh, I have to wonder how much of her brother's success depended on her power. Yes, he had some power, but I can't imagine he would he wouldn't have used Beldry to his advantage. That means whenever Beldry is discussing her brother's actions, I imagine she's considering her role in that rise to power. So I wonder how much truth there is in the fact that she was excluded from the planning and governing. She may be a person who was viewed as necessary in the rise to power, but is now seen as insignificant when they're in charge. If not just with her power, then also Spook's interest in her. She's not ignored because she's powerless. She's ignored and she's powerful. And that impacts a person. I think maybe I'm projecting some of what I want Beldry to be onto her. There's not that much textual evidence of her involvement. Uh, so that might not have been Brandon's intent. I haven't read the annotations, obviously. So if Brandon somewhere wrote, Beldry was just a boring puppet for her brother and never thought for herself, then I guess I take it all back. But I feel like there's more to her experiences than meets the eye. Also, my hostility towards Aurian probably makes me more inclined to like any character who can be compared to her more than I would have otherwise. Thanks for continued quality entertainment. You're all great, and I appreciate each of you wasing to the time of next. So, I don't know. Does that change anyone's opinions on Beldry? This, these thoughts? Maybe if we had had more time with her. Um, yeah. But yeah, as it stands now, with us being at the end of the book, I don't see my opinion changing all that much. Plus, you got to remember, like, we only ever saw her from Spook's perspective, really. Like, there wasn't a point where... Oh, no, there was a bit with Sazed as well, I guess. But yeah. for the most part, it's like... We only really saw her with Spook interacting with Spook, so it was like I think I might have coloured us a bit. Yeah, that's probably true. I didn't consider that either. Yeah, we just we haven't really had time to process, like on, I guess on page, what sort of happened since Breeze and Quillian are back running things, and and you know Spook and Quillian don't have their spikes anymore, so it, it does kind of change things. I think Angela's probably got a point. You know, she's definitely there's more going on there than what we were ever privy to, but yeah, we just we never got to see it. Yeah, no, that's probably true too. That's a good point. Okay, one last email before we wrap up. This one is from Sean. Hello, I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now. Blitzed through the archive and now adjusting to weekly listening. I can't imagine reading Sanderson's books like this, especially towards the end of the series. Major props to everyone for their patience and self-restraint. Hearing everyone's thoughts and predictions is very interesting, and I hope you all are enjoying the experience. Keep up the good work. Best, Sean. So, thanks, Sean. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for sending stuff. If you want to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can at us on Twitter or leave us a message on Facebook, Instagram, all that sort of thing. We are in all those places. Music by Miracle of Sound. So yes, for next week, we're finishing out the book. And if you're reading along, get ready for after that. We are going to start in on Secret History. We're also reading, as I said, the the real next thing is actually the Skadrian System essay from Arcanum Unbounded. So if you have Secret History that you own separately, we will be reading a little section of Arcanum Unbounded that you might miss out on if you don't own that. And honestly... I recommend Arcanum Unbounded. It's a great collection of short stories. Uh, you can buy almost all of them separately, but it's much cheaper to get them all in one. And it's got uh, these nice little additions that give us some interesting information. So check that out if you do not already have it. So yeah, read those chapters, everyone. Or or don't. 
You guys have to read them. The, yeah. the audience yeah. can read them if they want. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, oh I'm not the boss of them, so... <laughs> hey, you're not the boss of me either. Only in so much as I tell you what we're reading on the podcast. You kind of have to do that part, otherwise the podcast gets weird. <laughs> yeah, next, sure. Next week, the chapters we are reading are the rest of them. Yeah. If, if, if there's anything left in your book, read that. If you, I mean, now, you, the Ars Arcanum is at the end. You can read that if you want also. Yeah. And now you know the rest of the story. Oh, and I'm going to have to get <laughs> the uh, the image ready to send you guys because I said I'd show you, like, the hemallergy chart after we were done with this one because that keeps going, I need to understand how this works. It's 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 crazy. I mean, there's just so many parts to it. It's just so confusing. It's like you got to have the right metal. He's got to ha- pick up the right thing from the right person. It's got to yeah. go in the right spot of the body. How do you keep this straight? Well, and honestly, the chart's not going to explain 100%, but it will give a lot more information than you currently have. So, yeah. So, yeah, we will maybe we'll talk about that on uh, on that as part of that review of the book or uh, or revisit of stuff at the beginning of the first Secret History episode. That'd be a good thing to put in there. And then that can be our like Instagram for the week, too. Anyway, so we're finishing the book next time. Everyone's very excited. They're finally finally have the freedom to read until the end and find out what happens and. See what Vin does with her godhood. She's pretty cool now. <laughs> so that's it, everybody. Wasing to the time of next. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust.